Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. When he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Good morning. Good morning. What, a, what a joy to be here with you again. Sheila and I are always happy to come to our Savior Mill Valley to be with you. So many familiar faces and some new folks, which is also a joy. Not the most popular parable today, especially that first part about the lost sheep. Which one of you, Jesus says, having a hundred sheep and having lost one, will not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go diligently searching until she or he has found the one lost one? Well, nobody. That's who. How many of you would leave 99 sheep, much as you loved the one who was lost, in the wilderness, Pray to all the predators that might be there, the weather that might be there, their own foolishness, which might lead them over a cliff, and go looking for the lost sheep. Well, maybe you would, but most people wouldn't. And I have heard this myself when I have preached on this for many, many years. This is, I think, the 36th year I've been an ordained person, and the first time I preached on this, a very wonderful person, an elder in the community, deeply Christian person came to me and said, I don't like this parable at all. I said, oh, why is that? He said, because I'm one of the 99. I'm one of the 99. You're one of the 99, I'm sure. Righteous and need no repentance. No 
no renewal of life, and so on. Well, you don't need to answer me <laughs> in any particular way. Uh, but I think this is a case of mistaken identity and who we, who we think Jesus is addressing in this parable. Uh, and I'm speaking for myself personally. Now, in the Diocese of California, our beloved community within the beloved community, we have wildly different congregations. And Sheila and I are really about the only people who see them all. Kathleen has seen many, many as in the, in the decade that she was uh, director of the Episcopal Impact Fund and Canon uh, and Debbie and you know, others in the diocese and staff get around. But Sheila and I visit every one of them. And they're all so different and all Episcopalian. There's also, also this foundational truth to them all. But it's arguable that St. Gregory of Nyssa is the most different of the different. Um, how many of you are familiar with St. Gregory's? When I say that, do you know what I'm talking about? Anyone? Well, that's exciting that you don't know. Um, <laughs> there's much to discover. St. Gregory's was founded as an experiment, as a place of experiment, in liturgy particularly, by three people uh, over 25 years ago. Bishop Swing gave them, uh, it's sort of like a chapel peculiar in, uh, in the UK. He gave them license to try things out that went outside of the prayer book, uh, which guides us in a, in a strict way about our worship. I'm going somewhere, just stay with me. Uh, they dance during their liturgy. Uh, they, they, they take the gospel book through the whole congregation, and as in parts of the Eastern Orthodox Church, people touch or kiss the gospel as it moves through. They sing completely unaccompanied, so there are no, um, no instruments that accompany their singing. Lots of differences, not to mention the vestments. Um, just like our most Anglo-Catholic uh, congregation, the Church of the Advent of Christ the King on Fell Street, uh, they don't really want me to bring my own vestments to St. Gregory's. They're not, they're not quite good enough um, for, for what they've got going there. Um, I have worn a Chinese bishop's woven hat before. Um, on it goes. The last time Sheila and I were there, though, I, I'm so familiar with them as I'm familiar with you, and so love them as I love you. Uh, and yet, I saw something I had never seen before uh, in this last visit. They have an altar table, and we all dance from the place of the Liturgy of the Word to the holy table where we gather around it, all standing for the Eucharist. This time, I looked at the table, which is very beautiful. The whole building is incredibly beautiful. And there, I, you may have noticed I brought my phone with me into the pulpit. You know, I, I'm not addicted to this. Um, I brought it to tell you what it says. I saw from afar that there were words carved on the rim of the holy table, gilded inside of each of the letters, and it was Greek. And I read my little Greek New Testament every morning, but from far away, I couldn't read it. And I got up close, and I read it, and this is what it said. Hutas amartolus 
prosdeketai kai sun estee autois. You know what that said. <laughs> well, what it said came straight from today's gospel. In the beginning of the gospel, it says that he was teaching, he, and they wanted to hear him. They were pressed close around him, and then the scribes and the Pharisees start grumbling. And this is what they said. This one, it's this phrase, this one, welcomes sinners and eats with them. This one, welcomes sinners and eats with them. This is on the holy table around which all the faithful gather every Sunday and every Eucharist at St. Gregory of Nyssa. And the message is clear. All of them, that's who. That's who gathers around Jesus' table and is invited to eat with him. The tax collectors, the sinners, me, and you. That's who gathers. I am not of the 99. I am of the lost. And that is enormously good news. Because it means that the good shepherd will pursue me to wherever it is that I have wandered into whatever dark place I have stumbled into whatever danger I have taken myself or that has beset me and will find me and lay me on his shoulders and rejoicing bring me home what could be better news than that who would choose to be among the 99 left in the wilderness and not be among the lost and loved by Jesus in that way. Any takers? This is the good news that the church heard from the beginning before we were even called Christians. When we were called the way, the path, this is the good news that we heard, which is that Jesus loves us, everyone, with every bit of divine love. The stunning idea that the force which pervades the universe and creates the universe and is more than the universe is also personally interested in you and in me and in our communities and in our world. As a shepherd is interested, more than interested, loves the lost sheep. This is incredibly good news. And so it is that in the art of the early church, there are almost no crucifixes. There are almost no crucifixes. For the first almost 300 years of Christianity, it was not our beloved Jesus betrayed, tortured, and executed on a cross that we depicted in our art. It was the Good Shepherd. In the catacombs of Rome, painted, faded, cracked on the walls, where the Christians met in secret for fear of persecution from the Romans, there are painted depictions of the Good Shepherd. With the sheep, with the lost sheep on his shoulders, being born to safety. Now we take this 
properly to mean that Jesus is the shepherd of our souls beyond this mortal life. When we face our last challenge with our bodies, we believe that it is the loving God who will meet us in a way that is depicted by the Good Shepherd. That we will be taken into the heart of God safely. And this is true. We believe this. But this is a bigger message than even that. Yesterday, Sheila and I were all the way down at another one of our beloved congregations, El Buen Pastor, which meets uh, the Good Shepherd, which meets at uh, Good Shepherd, Belmont, uh, a mostly English-speaking congregation, a, a small, wonderful, Spanish-speaking congregation, El Buen Pastor meets there. I confirmed a, a group of young people almost equal in size to the adult population of that community. It was an entirely happy and, and beautiful occasion. And we talked about what does confirmation mean ahead of time? What is this thing? Why do we do this? It's related to baptism. It is, it once in that first 400 years of Christianity was part of baptism. At the end of the baptismal rite, adults, we baptized no infants in those days, we learned, <laughs> we learned better, but adults would be raised out of the water into which they had been plunged and then dressed in white robes and then the bishop would lay hands on them, chrismate them with oil, and they would be confirmed, baptized and confirmed at the same time. We've restored that possibility in our church for adults today. But the message is the same for baptism and for confirmation, and it is this, as St. Paul says, you were baptized into the death of Jesus that you might raised with him. You were baptized into the death of Jesus, that you might be raised with him. Now this, this dying and being raised again is not only, again, about the mortal life. It's about every moment of my life. Because every moment of my life, I am given the opportunity to let go. To let go of everything that has come before. The mistakes I've made, the assumptions I've made about other people, the way I have not forgiven people, nor forgiven myself, the way I have not loved other people, nor loved myself, I can let go of all that. I have that choice. And in so doing, I am enabled to receive. Room is made for me to receive new life. New life that begins as soon as I make room for it. God is waiting to offer to you and to me new life. And this is the message of the Good Shepherd. This is the message of this parable. It is not for us only as we face our mortality. It is for us every moment of our lives. So what better parable could there be than this one, which is for those of us who are welcomed as sinners to Jesus' table, where he always welcomes us, where he sets no barriers 
for us to be with him. And when we find ourselves in danger, he meets us there, not at the table where we have washed and prepared ourselves, but there where we need him most. And rejoicing, he brings us home.